0: Welcome to AML Conversations, the solution series. This podcast series focuses on practical information about solutions to challenges you face in your financial crime compliance program. These solutions include managed services, technology, advisory, and third-party risk management. You can access this series and other AML Conversations and This Week in AML Podcasts at our website, amlrightsource.com, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, Leandro. Welcome to the Solution Series, and thank you for joining me as our guest speaker.
1: Hi, Rachel. Uh, It's my pleasure.
0: The purpose of this podcast is to provide an understanding of the terminology and technology related to artificial intelligence. As we continue to pay attention to the use and development of these tools, it's clear that there is a varying degree of understanding. Leandro is our principal data scientist and our expert in this field. So I've asked him to join me to explain these different concepts and applications. But before we start, Leandro, you have what I consider a very impressive background. Could you share some of this with our listeners?
1: I wouldn't call it impressive, you know, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you that my story with um, AI machine learning started in 2002. That's when I, I uh, started my master's. The focus was machine learning. Interestingly, at the time, the name was called uh, the name of the field was Pattern Recognition. Uh, so much later, like 2004, I already did my PhD with that name, machine learning. So that's how things evolved, even in the, you know, uh, the terminology that was interesting. But 2004, I came to the US, joined the, um, uh, the University of Nevada, uh, pursued my PhD in the field of machine learning and computer vision. So it's machine learning applied to videos, to, to things that a robot would see, a scene that a car, you know films along the road, uh, kind of thing. Um, then I moved to California. I joined the, uh, Lawrence Berkeley national lab. I did a lot of cancer research there. That was their main focus. So I applied a lot of the, the algorithms, the, the techniques, uh, that exploit data on, on a field that, you know, was completely unrelated than what we do today. Um, Fast forwarding there, you know, I joined a Nokia, big company, uh, small company, startups in San Francisco. Before I moved to Philadelphia to join this startup, I was the fourth employee of Quantiverse. Um, and um, I was fortunate enough to be there from the beginning, shaping not only the techniques the the, the approaches, but also the whole um, paradigm of how we would tackle the problem of financial crime um financial crime detection of course and uh two years ago of course everyone knows we were acquired by aml right source and uh here we are
0: thank you for sharing your background with us it's truly fascinating let's begin with a foundational question what is data science and what does a data scientist do
1: okay um so Data science is I consider an umbrella term for lots of techniques uh that go from um you know statistics all the way to computer vision so it goes it involves machine learning AI deep learning all the stuff that you hear in the computer science field but also involves other techniques that are from different fields like modeling forecasting that are heavily statistical in nature um, other supporting areas like uh, data engineering, that's how you manipulate the data, you store the data, you, you want uh, easy, fast access to stuff, that's what you resource to. Um, what a data scientist do, uh, do then is that we we basically use all these fields, all this, the techniques that are available, that are developed within these fields, and you use it as a toolbox. So you have a problem in hand and uh, you, a good data scientist would use the right tool for the job, not have the hammer and see everything as a, as a nail, right? So you, you, you grow this knowledge and understanding of the techniques and the, the pros and cons, right? The qualities and the limitations of each of them. So when you have a problem you can easily resource to one of those techniques. A, an important distinction that I want to make here, uh, since this is really an overview, is the distinction between data science and data engineering. So in data science, for example, you would, um, let's say we want to uh, reason about the role of an entity from the news article. So you want to know basically if the guy is a good guy or a bad guy why you want to know this because make you, you you want to make decisions on if you want to do business with them if you you know want to have them in your client basis and so on so of course we're talking about some scientific understanding some algorithm their reasons about the the words the sentences the meanings and so on but before data science can even start we need data engineering we need someone some techniques that go online do a search uh, maybe on Google search, on Bing search, downloads the Oracle, parses the Oracle or the text out of the Oracle, which is the scraping part, puts it in, into a nice format, Not maybe not HTML that has all the tags. It, it brings the text in in a format, uh, and it does this at scale because you want to do this not only for one article for one entity. You want to do this across you know, your client base of thousands and thousands uh, of clients. So the distinction comes, although there is an overlap, um, uh, the distinction comes on heavy work with the data where, uh, how to make it available fast at scale. Uh, and the other one is really the solution of the problems. They are more like human, human oriented, right? Uh, things that a human being would do, but would do it like more laboriously, uh, laboriously and, and, um, you know, slower.
0: For our listeners who might not be familiar or perhaps just want to hear your point of view, could you explain what artificial intelligence is in simple terms?
1: Absolutely. So AI is one of those fields that fall under that umbrella of data science, right? So AI, artificial intelligence, is a field traditionally taught in computer science programs, academically, that involves a number of algorithms, techniques, and, and means of working with data that goes from text, image videos, robotic movements. But the, the whole idea of it's called artificial intelligence, the, the name comes from the idea that it tries to replicate human intelligence, right? In tasks like decision-making, what we usually consider a human activity, uh, decision-making, learning, reasoning, and why not creativity now, right? Where like it's, a very hot topic this year is generative uh, generative AI. So things that create new things, right? So AI is that. It has a again, it's another toolbox that falls within you know that that uh, that it's utilized by data science, but it addresses a, a certain type and number of problems.
0: There are many applications of AI. One is machine learning. So for our listeners, what is machine learning? How does it work? And could you also explain the difference between supervised and unsupervised learning?
1: Right. So it it, it sounds like we're going down that uh, a branch from starting from data science. Now we talked a smaller slice of of solutions called AI. And now there is a smaller slice called machine learning. As the name implies, it, it focuses on the problem of learning. And uh, learning initially had nothing to do with the way nobody ever tried to replicate how humans learn. So back in the 60s, 40s, even, uh, learning was something very rudimentary. Even the idea of neural networks started from one neuron. So it was one node that would receive input and, and have an output based on a mathematical um, function. Today, it's we can definitely claim that it's getting much closer to to learning the way humans learn, so by presenting examples. And then it goes to what you asked about supervised and unsupervised learning. So by supervised learning is a a set of strategies that teach the machine to learn from examples. So it gives input and it shows what the desirable output is or the correct output is. And the machine figures out the connections uh, between the input and the correct output for that. And it creates lots, depending on the model, it addresses that that solution in different ways. It could be more statistically heavy, or it could be more algorithmically heavy. But the idea is that it's going to create some mathematical formulations that will make sure that every time that input or something similar to that input is presented to that machine, the output is what you trained for, you taught it for the unsupervised part of it is when you don't have an output. Sometimes the problem only requires that you group things, you segment things based on similarity or 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 dissimilarity, but you only have an input and you actually just say, you know, hey, machine, try to figure out what's common among these guys across these features, this number of features. But you're free to propose the output or the groupings that you I don't want to use the word field but the 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 ones that make more sense mathematically right given a certain function that you want to optimize now more more recently there are more uh, exciting areas of of learning more exciting strategies that actually resemble more the human side as i you know i claimed earlier uh for example the one called reinforcement learning reinforcement learning is more like children. Maybe it's a strong assertion that I say it's like children, but it's more similar to how children uh, learn about the world because they make mistakes. And the parents or someone, the tutors go and and give the right answer to that. There is a reward and there is a penalty for the right and the wrong, respectively. These are interesting areas that are developing and, and producing very exciting results. If we have the chance to talk about the large language models like GPT, and this is basically the foundation of uh, how it okay. learns. It's by rewarding the good answer and, uh, and penalizing the, the bad answer. That's different than supervised, because supervised, you basically have, here's the input, here's the output, and let me measure the overall result. We really, without really saying we, without really focusing on individual answers, right? So um, there is a slight difference there.
0: Shifting gears for a moment, you highlighted that AI and machine learning have a long history and have been around for many years, but we've really seen AI take off over the last couple of years. It's really sort of exploded. So perhaps you can help me understand why now? What changed?
1: Well, uh, there is a combination of factors. We can't say that AI did it on its own. So it's really a symbiotic environment where you have now commodity computing, cheaper and faster and larger machines. They're becoming more available. They're becoming basically commodity, as I said, which was really hard even 20 years ago. Uh, it was really hard to get, you know, what was called a cluster of machines to do some scientific work. And now you you just go online, you know, there are several cloud services that you can basically rent space on a number of machines, you know, uh, from one all the way to 10,000, like some of these recent models are trained on. And as I said, it's symbiotic because the larger machines the, the and the cheaper cost allows engineers and scientists to be more creative and, and more audacious on what they're doing. So uh, the work I did 20 years ago with neural network had basically 100 neurons, let's say hundred neurons—that's what I could fit in my memory and train for a number of days or you know uh, or weeks. Today, because I know I can fit a larger neural network into the same machine, I could basically have a network of two thousand, five thousand neurons, and that allowed the field of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and, and data science, by consequence, to really explode in terms of possibilities and 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 really real power of of Decision-making, learning, reasoning, right? So it is that symbiotic. I I assign it to the symbiotic association between the two.
0: Leandro, you just touched on neural networks and how they are a key driving force for the industry's growth, which also brings us nicely back to our discussion. So can you explain what deep learning neural networks are?
1: Yeah, so that's interesting because deep learning is basically a... uh, 10 year maybe 12 year old term it comes as consequence of the explosion of of accessibility of uh, affordability of of the commodity computing now scientists were able to create larger uh, networks but the name deep learning doesn't come from the size of the network although it is connected the the larger the network the neural network is the deeper the learning can be but the deep learning what they noticed was the following is that small networks are really good at at capturing the what i would call surface knowledge so basically what i would look at the if i spent 20 minutes looking at the data that would that would be what i learned from the data basically that everything that pops up right away with deep learning the interesting thing that they found was that the larger the network they they were able to notice that chunks of the network very similarly to our brains they were able to specialize on certain tasks and certain features that allowed the network to learn nuances about the data that sometimes wasn't that obvious from the data Uh, that's why that the depth of the term comes from is about learning more than just the surface information but some things there sometimes are surprising, sometimes are scary even, that you know, the, the, an, artificial, an artificial piece of code could uh, basically learn things that were not that obvious to human beings sometimes. That comes for the good and for the bad, by the way, because the good thing is that we're having more and more powerful uh, solutions and techniques. But on the bad side is that it's learning things that sometimes are not obvious to the engineers who create it and all of a sudden it manifests itself by uh biases by harmful content again every technique has a pro and con and and then you have to kind of weigh both and see where it falls overall I think it's a it's a great direction the field is going with deep learning I think it's natural that everyone is going to now try deep things rather than the shallow ones now if it's better, you could ask, is this always better? No, because if you depending on the size of your data, if you're working, let's say, in clinical psychology, okay, you don't have a million individuals to interview, to assess for some kind of psychosis or disorder. You have maybe a couple of dozens. You have, If you're lucky, if you're a big institute, you have a hundred. So with a hundred elements, there is no deep learning that would work here. You really need a shallow network to learn, you know, from those small elements. What I'm trying to say is the following. The deeper the network, the larger your neural network, the more data you need to actually learn things. Otherwise the network basically memorizes the input, which is, I don't want to get into the details of that, but it's really bad that that your machine only memorized what it was trained on because then it loses the power of generalizing to new things. Which is basically what we want, right? That's that's what children do. You, sh- you show them a car, and uh, the next day they are pointing to every single car, independently on the model, the color. Um, they generalize their knowledge. So good machine learning takes into consideration the quality, the accuracy of of the training, of the learning, but also the power of generalization.
0: In the world of financial crime compliance, why do banks and financial institutions need data-driven solutions such as AI and machine learning?
1: Rachel, I've been in this field for 80 years. It's not a lot, okay? I, I, I work with people that have been working on this for 20 years, sometimes 30 years. The thing is, you, you only need a month, maybe a couple of weeks in this field to understand that the current methods don't work. Throwing bodies... Human bodies at the problem is not working anymore. Banks uh, are becoming bigger with more volumes of data, with increasing and ever more creative criminal activities going on. And uh, basically humans can't keep up because humans don't scale like we think they do, right? You don't, maybe two people working on the same problem, it increase, you know, productivity by 7%, but if you put 10 people you don't get a 10x increase. We know that. That's, that's psychology. That's sociology. At some point, you actually, your productivity start decaying because reasons that are outside the scope of this conversation. What I'm trying to say is the following. Nowadays, what I know, or at least it was like this years ago, maybe it's better now because it's hard to see a bank that doesn't use any type of uh, technology today to, to address money laundering and terrorist financing. But the, the statistics are really bad uh, in a sense that 95% of, of the alerts that they get from this more preliminary or ancient piece of software that are out there, they are false positives. So 95% of your work that day is related to cleaning clutter from the actual work that is your 5%. That That's kind of crazy, right? That... You know, 95% of the hours of your day are, I would say, wasted. They're they're not wasted in a sense because they're they're still producing something. But we we can definitely do better, right? And we are doing better with techniques. Because these techniques, they are very good. And they're becoming better and better at learning exactly what you want and replicating that to the millions. So you learn what the team does well the different sets of expertise and different levels of understanding about the problem. Some problems, you know, very subjective sometimes when you call someone a bad guy and you you want to do business with them or you don't, sometimes there is a large gray area there. Um, so techniques are becoming better at learning those nuances, those the differences and the problem itself in the decision um, and it can replicate perfectly to as many bodies as you want. I don't want to say though that the machines are replacing human beings because I started this argument by saying that the machines are learning from the human being. So there is no machine learning without human beings. So of course, human beings are great at at assessing new strategies, strategies that just don't look right. While the machine would learn this from anomaly detection and pattern recognition, which are very mathematical. And it's very, it's very black and white in a sense. Human beings are more flexible in learning, in connecting facts, sometimes that you read from a piece of article a week ago, maybe from, from your briefing with your team that there's uh, an organization uh, working in that area kind of thing. So we still need human beings. The difference is what I consider artificial intelligence in this field is the Iron Man suit. Okay, so the superhero is very smart, very capable, but with the suit, he's able to do much more. And I think that's where uh, we're going to get that recognition, that acknowledgement that the right tools in the hands of the right people will accomplish more than just hundreds and hundreds of people without the tools because they they are basically just cleaning clutter most of their day.
0: Well, Leandro, thank you for joining me on this podcast and going over sort of the different branches and applications of AI. I think it's quite clear that technology and data-driven solutions are reshaping the way we approach financial crime compliance. But before we end off this episode, do you have any closing remarks?
1: I think this is a fascinating field and I'm totally biased and I acknowledge Mm -hmm. that I'm I'm completely biased. I've been uh, basically half of my life working only on this field. Applying it to different fields. I did mention that I, I for several years, I worked with cancer research. It, it's so gratifying, you know. Your decision there would um, benefit a number of people today and and in the future. And financial crime is not different. Yes, we're not curing cancer, but we are saving lives out, outside. And it's something that I, I remind myself and the team is that. We're very fortunate to be able to spend, you know, eight hours of our day working on something that benefits society. So, and I'm really grateful to, uh, to the team that was, that is patient to teach me a new red flag, a new uh, typology that I can go and 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 work with the techniques that I know of and study new ones and encode that and show them back, hey, how is it? And say, no, it's only 60% accurate. You need to work better. You know work harder on this and then i show one that is 85 percent better so there is this back and forth there it's really gratifying so if someone out there is listening to this and trying to get into this field i it's 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 a lot of headache uh because these are hard problems if, if it was easy the problem would be solved so these are really complex and hard problems because it's involving you know um people who are really motivated to do the wrong thing so we need to every day be motivated to do the right thing uh so that's i think that i would like to close with that you know motivating people to get into this and remind themselves that this is good for society um and uh you know i wouldn't want to do anything you know in my life today
0: well leandro thank you so much for joining me as our guest speaker it's such a privilege to hear about a different discipline
1: thanks for having me rachel
0: and of course Thank you to our listeners for choosing to spend your time with us. In our next episode, Kevin Lee, Director of Financial Crimes Advisory, will join Leandro and I, and we are going to continue the conversation and answer or ask the highly debated and contentious question of if we can trust AI. Thanks for listening to this episode of AML Conversations, The Solution Series. More episodes will be posted in the coming months. If you find this installment interesting, there is more great content at amlrightsource.com. If we can help you with your financial crime compliance needs, schedule a meeting on our website. Together, we can reimagine compliance.